0: Welcome to On Texas Football. It's time for our Saturday conversation. Myself, Bobby Burton, alongside Paul Wadlington. Uh, Paul and I, on each and every Saturday, we try to kind of give you a little taste of what's to come in the college football Saturday ahead uh, early in the morning. Uh, Paul, I, I tell you what, we look at it this week. It's a big weekend for Big 12 games. Uh, of course, Texas and OU not playing this weekend, uh, but uh, eight teams are in, in, uh, in are playing today. Uh, we're going to go over those games, and then there's a bunch of big national games uh, we want to talk about as well. Uh, let's start in the 11 o'clock hour, Iowa State-Cincinnati, Paul. Uh, big game there. Iowa State here, with a win, would have a chance to go 3-1 and one into a Big 12 play.
1: That's wild. I don't think anyone had that on their bingo cards. but Not uh, after they
0: started the way they did, right?
1: A 10 a.m. kickoff on FS1, Iowa State-Cincinnati? Fox has got a gold mine Bobby <laughs> we're gonna get 400,000 viewers buddy yes uh that look it, it's gonna be a really interesting game um I neither team I think is good Iowa State I think has the potential to become respectable uh because I think they're getting better as their quarterback Beck Rocco Beck is getting better and Matt Campbell's made the decision to throw the ball around you know they're. They're dropping back and throwing the ball around in a way that they have not done so in a while, and uh, but simultaneously, it looks like they're trying to patch some leaks on their defense that at least OU revealed. Uh, I'm not sure if Cincinnati's going to reveal that. Uh, do you, do you have a lot of faith in Emory Jones, the quarterback for Cincinnati, the dual threat? None,
0: I, and none. I, I have no faith in him. I, I didn't have faith in him at Florida or Arizona State, so why would I have him at a at a program like Cincinnati? I, look the the reality of it is is that Cincinnati's hasn't won a league game yet um the new coach there is not exactly lighting it up on fire. I, other than a defense a decent defensive front I don't know that Cincinnati uh they may not win a league game this year so uh we'll see where this turns out but I I could see Cincinnati winning this uh, excuse me Iowa State winning this and going to three and one and after a abysmal start, to the season and losing its starting quarterback, they could be in second, tied or for second or uh, in third place for uh, the Big Twelve uh, lead right now. Yeah, would it would it surprise you to learn that the Bearcats are the favorite? No, not really, because obviously Iowa State's got a new quarterback. But my point is, I don't care. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think I think Iowa State. I also think Cincinnati and some of these Central Florida. BYU even to some extent uh Houston they're getting a wake up call for what it means to be in a bigger conference. Uh that's that's my take on it right now. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. So uh, that's part of it. But what what is the what is Cincinnati fa- or what is Cincinnati favored by? Well, the
1: lines will shift even before this show airs, right Bobby? Right. Uh but I've seen five. Uh, wow, four and a half and and I've seen some five and a halves. Uh, I might have grabbed Iowa State plus five and a half, but
0: uh, <laughs> we'll see. All right, the next game in the Big 12, so that's the 11 o'clock game central uh, on uh, FS1, as you mentioned. Uh, at, on The follow-up game on FS1 is KU at Oklahoma State. Jalen Daniels still expected to be out. Jason Bean going to start. Mike Gundy went with Alan Bowman and looked like he may have found something a little bit. On offense for Oklahoma State, uh, KU Oklahoma State, an interesting game early in the season. Yeah, very interesting game. Uh, last week was sort of a back against the wall
1: game for Mike Gundy. Uh, there was rumors of uh, a lot of unrest in the, the Cowboy program and his inability and the booster's inability to adjust to the new world of NIL. And then Oklahoma State comes out, all all guns firing and, and you know, beat Kansas State, really took advantage of some mistakes. And then showed their first pulse of offense all season. You know, they threw the ball around pretty well in the first half. And then they handed the ball off to Ollie Gordon, who's the next in line of underrated, unknown uh, Oklahoma State running backs who are going to play in the NFL. So, Who who is the favorite in this one, though? Isn't it Kansas? It is Kansas. Yeah, they're giving up about a field goal or field goal in the hook, you know, three and a half. Uh, I I think I like Kansas, but, man, Gundy – Guy's a good coach, man. i I, I know that people always want to sort of pronounce him dead and then I just don't think they appreciate that that guy is very good at reconstructing and retooling and re reinvigorating his roster not just year to year, but within the season. like on a bye week, Oklahoma State became a different football team and it's just an impressive coaching job. Uh, I still think, Ultimately, they're kind of doomed. His inability to adapt to NIL and on that world, and then also the the lack of a stage that the new Big Twelve will offer. I think it's going to be a tough deal for Oklahoma State. I don't. I don't think they're going to dominate the new Big Twelve in the future. What
0: do you think? Uh, well, here's the, here's the reality. It's not so much what I think about Gundy and his team. I don't think they're a great team this year. I do think they're going to fall short. This is a, a somewhat of a litmus test on Kansas uh, mm-hmm. because it's an away game. They've been much better at home than they have been away. Uh, and you know, this would put Kansas would leave Kansas with just one loss, uh, like many other teams in the big 12. Uh, and so I, I'm interested to see where this one goes. I, I would pick Kansas, uh, kind of big in this game. I think, I think Oklahoma state's win over K state was fool's gold. a little. I like it. You know, it's interesting, Bobby, of course, we want to become
1: Kansas fans as Texas fans.
0: Yes. Yep. We want them
1: going around inflicting losses on everybody else and bolstering our resume. If, if we're we're fortunate enough to win out and have some other stuff happen, but uh, of course we also want to be big Alabama fans every week as well for for that reason. Uh, most and, Wyoming,
0: and Wyoming, you and Wyoming, and Wyoming. Yeah,
1: the Cowboys keep coming through. I'm, I'm going to be conflicted. They're coming to town uh, and playing against Air Force right across the street from my house. I can see the stadium from my backyard. So uh, and I, I like Air Force as a program, but Wyoming's pretty scrappy. You gotta you gotta kind of like those guys.
0: At the 230 game opposite the FS1 game on KU Oklahoma State is another Big 12 uh tilt. Uh, that is BYU TCU. BYU goes to TCU. Um both teams kind of fighting for the Big 12 life. Uh you know, TCU is has not looked good. They've lost two in a row uh in the Big 12. BYU uh is with, with just one loss in the Big 12. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, you talked about fool's
1: gold, right? Here's a little pyrite from the Wasatch in BYU, potentially. Uh, look, they're a little better than I think people thought. But I, I think, Bobby, when they went into Arkansas and they won that game on the road, people thought, oh, Arkansas, SEC opponent. Wow, that's what are, these guys are legit. Well, Arkansas stinks. And I, I think the SEC, frankly has had taken some shots more broadly uh, in all of their out-of-conference play, right, early in the yep. year. They, a bunch of their their premier programs took losses, including to Texas. So uh, I think that's an interesting part. The one thing that is interesting and compelling for BYU and the Cougars, they've had a lot of injury woes, and they're coming off a bye week. And what I'm hearing and reading is that they've got right. they're They're healthier than they've ever been all year, even since training camp. And they feel like actually Keaton Slovis in that passing game can really get moving with some of their better targets. Uh, They've got a really good tight end named Isaac Rex. I think I mentioned him way back in the preseason previews. You're asking me who are players that no one's talking about or has never heard of. And I said, well, BYU's got a six foot six, 270 pound tight end who can actually run. And that's this guy. And he's He's good. He's been catching between four and seven balls every game. He's a great red zone threat. And then BYU finally got some of their outside receivers healthy. So that is their offense. They cannot run the ball to save their lives, or at least not to date. So maybe they're revamping. They're going to find a little something in the running game. Defensively, they're sort of bend but don't break. Uh, they do have a transfer FCS corner, who's actually been playing lights out for them. And, and you know, that's like the new... The, the new uh, cheat code is go find the FCS All-Americans because you know they're good players and they still have that hunger and that that dog in them that they want to prove themselves at the highest level and try to earn an NFL you know contract. So BYU did that with that corner. I don't think they're very good on defense. TCU, of course, you know about the Chandler Morris news. He's out. You seem to have a little insight into Hoover, the backup. What's the deal on this kid?
0: Um he's you know, he played in Art Brawl's scheme in high school, and so oh, okay. the transition to TCU is not that big of a, a, a deal for him. Uh, I do think he has more long-term potential than than uh, Chandler Morris, uh, in my opinion. Like he's got NFL potential in four years, but he's oh, just young. Wow. Um, so we'll we'll see where that goes. I don't know that I, I just think TCU continues to try to find who their real players are right now. They they're, they they are don't know who their guys are. They don't know who to look at. Uh, Amani Bailey, the running back, is having a good year. But outside of him, I'm not sure anybody at TCU is really having a great year. I think they read a lot of press clippings. I think they didn't infuse with enough, enough talent in the offseason. And maybe some of Gary Patterson guys on defense, that legacy value that you get from a guy like him is not being – not that it's not there anymore. So I, I, I think that th- this is an interesting game. I think BYU wins. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what Josh Hoover does uh, for them. Kansas State TCU is the six o'clock game. Uh, that is Kansas State at Texas Tech at six o'clock. Whoever loses this is probably out of the Big 12 race. Yeah. you and, and both of them harbored hopes coming into the season. Right. Kansas State and Texas Tech were both sexy, very popular dark
1: horses to right. win the Big 12 because people are using the, the basis of, hey, the Big 12 has this repeated history of when OU and Texas are down, of the, the prior doormat or doormats the year before rise up because they return 19 starters and they get some stability and they find a quarterback. And then all of a sudden they win the league and everyone says it was unexpected Maybe we need to, to plan for that. Now, Kansas State, of course, won the Big 12 last year, but they were the unexpected winner, right? Beating yep. TCU, the other unexpected breakout. So that was the, the narrative for both Tech and and Kansas State. Hasn't materialized to date. Uh, I think Kleiman's a good coach, but they have some asymmetries on their team and how they want to play football that he's struggling to address. Uh, Will Howard's been pretty turnover prone They've been able to run the ball, but they can't control the ball in offense. And that's exposing their defense, which really lost some high-level guys, particularly in the secondary. And Missouri and Luther Burden really hit them hard in the secondary. Uh, Oklahoma State was able to do enough, particularly in the first half, throwing the ball. And then they they finished it off, just handing the ball off. And Kansas State's not real big. If, if uh, anyone has a chance to look at their depth chart, they're not big up front whether at linebacker or in their front, and they have to move around a lot. Well, that means if you can catch them, you can pop them for a 60, 70-yard run. Also, they lost Daniel Green, their most physical defender at linebacker. Three-year starter. It's about 6'2", 250. Very physical player. Traditional middle linebacker. He's out for the season, and I think they felt that. His replacement, I think, weighs about 220, soaking wet. And uh, teams have been I think teams are going to be able to bully him, and I think Tech's going to try to bully him. I think they're going to try to run the ball on Kansas State.
0: Yeah, well, Taj Boyd, uh, Taj Brooks, excuse me, has had a tremendous year thus far, uh, becoming a focal point of that offense. He's a top five rusher in the NCAA right now, uh, along with Jonathan Brooks and Amani Bailey at, at TCU. All three of those guys from the Big Twelve in the top five in the NCAA in rushing right now. Um, all right, before we go into the other games around the around the conference, did you did you have a pick on that one? I'm sorry, between Kansas State and Texas Tech. Oh. I think tech will hold serve at home. I do too. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think they're going to play with a little bit of desperation here, but frankly, they're, they're somewhat evenly matched. I I just got to think tech has a game plan. That's been revealed to them by Kansas state's prior opponents. Uh, And I'll be very interested to see what Kleiman does. You know, what if they if you, can't, it up? If you can't beat, if you can't beat Oklahoma State on the road, how are you going to beat Texas Tech on the road? Well, here's how maybe. Maybe they button it up and they go to old school Will Howard and he throws it 12 times and they run he runs it 15 times and they hand it off to their good running backs and they rely on that good offensive line and they try to run a Wyoming game plan, frankly, Bobby, against Texas Tech. They try to control the clock, they try to physically maul Texas Tech, take it into the fourth quarter and see if they can scrape out a win.
0: I uh, Got it. All right. Before we go to these national games like A&M, Tennessee, Oregon, Washington, uh, Miami, uh, UNC, USC, Notre Dame, let's tell folks about our sponsor for every Saturday's conversation, Paul. Well, he's local, but he's a primetime national player like these games we're about to
1: talk about. He is the Notre Dame USC headliner game of the mortgage guys. That's Gabe Winslow. You could reach him at 832. 832- Five five seven one zero nine five. Bobby always tickled by my gift for absolute nonsense uh, sec, uh, segues. Uh, hey, look, here's the deal: the the mortgage market is not super super favorable right now. That's actually a good time to buy a house. There's no demand. Uh, there's there's houses that they're having to lower. There's no multiple offers scenarios anymore. If you have the ability to get out and buy a house and then wait it out a little bit and refi down the road, which will inevitably come. Gabe is the guy to talk to, and he's the guy who can craft a very specific financial strategy for you. This is not just a one and done deal with Gabe. He is interested in knowing everything about your financial life and how he can help you have the dream
0: of homeownership. So give him a call, 832-557-1095. Thanks, Paul. And thank you, Gabe, by the way. Uh, all right, let's talk about Oregon, Washington. And let's talk the 230 games are outstanding. Oregon, Washington at, on ABC at 230, AM, Tennessee at 230 on CBS, and then Florida, South Carolina. And I mentioned that one only, it's also at 2.30. I mentioned that one only from a recruiting perspective because if Billy Napier and the Gators keep the tumble going down, uh, yeah, they can beat Vanderbilt, but they can't beat Kentucky. If that keeps going down for them, Paul, uh, that looks good for the Longhorns uh, with some key recruits. Uh, Let's start with A&M in Tennessee and talk a little bit about the Aggies going up to, to Knoxville yeah I gotta ask you first of all A m Tennessee, Washington Oregon, which game are you gonna watch? Uh, I'm gonna flip back and forth. I'll, I'll tape AM Tennessee uh, and watch watch most of uh, Washington and Oregon. That is a voice of college football wisdom. I'm I'm watching Oregon Washington
1: and I'm gonna flip and and my God, why do they keep synchronizing the commercials on these by the way? <laughs> why don't you have it staggered, right? Can I, why why do I flip from one stupid commercial or cars for kids? 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. I got to <laughs> flip from that, and then it's just other commercials. Why wouldn't you stagger it so at least I, I can get a piece of AM Tennessee? But, yeah, I think you're, make, you're making the right move. Uh, A&M Tennessee, Bobby, this is a fascinating matchup. I want to bounce my ideas off you. You shoot them down if you don't like it. But – When you see a three-point game spread between two fairly evenly matched teams, right, both have their weaknesses, both have their strengths, you would think, well, this is going to be a really tight game. It could be. I see a scenario in which both Tennessee or AM can blow out the other team. And I don't just mean the incremental chance that can happen in any game. I mean, each team does some stuff that's kind of a weakness, a kryptonite for that other team. And then each team has some unreliable stuff going on at quarterback, right? Who's going to fold and panic and and have three turnovers in the first half? What do you think? Is is that a reasonable approximation, or do you think that this is a,
0: a more straightforward matchup than I think? Here's here's the reality: A and M has the better roster. There's there's no question, right? The question is, Jimbo Fisher gets in the way of his offense half half the time just like he did almost on that return for a touchdown the other day. Um, Tennessee, meanwhile, has a quarterback right now that is not near what they had a year ago in Hendon Hooker. He has a, a, a lot more live arm, but he doesn't I, – look, I, I think a is going to win that game because they have a defense, and actually they do have something they can hang their hat on. That being said, is that if Tennessee scores 21, 24 points, I don't know that a is going to score 24 points. Um, even though Tennessee doesn't have this great defense right now. I I don't know what to think of A&M or Tennessee right now. Uh, and so that makes me think, okay, well, just – you can either go with the home team or you can go with the team that has more talent. I'm going to the team that has more talent. So I love A&M's
1: front, but DJ Durkin as a defensive coordinator is contractually obligated to have four wide receivers running <laughs> free and loose through his secondary – Every game, once each quarter. And uh, Jalen Milrow hit that guy two or three times and, and swung the game in College Station. The only thing Joe Milton can do, Bobby, is what? Throw deep. Throw deep. And Tennessee has been trying to cover up Joe Milton's inconsistency by running the ball. And they've done a phenomenal job. Tennessee is one of the best running teams in the SEC, one of the best running teams in college football. They're averaging over six yards a carry, and Milton is not a big part of that. He's, he's a capable runner, and I think he, he had a long run against a, a scrub opponent a few weeks ago, but that's not really his thing. So I wonder if Tennessee's game plan is going to be run it, run it, run it, throw it over the top, and just count on that. And then defensively, I don't think Tennessee's very good, but I don't think very good has necessarily been necessary to stop or thwart Jimbo
0: Fisher's offense. Well, a- Alabama just made mincemeat of of A&M's offensive line. I mean, seven, they didn't look bad. Six or seven sacks, right? It was, I don't care. It wasn't enough. A lot. The number wasn't indicative of the pain they caused. I mean, yes. I had taped that game as well and rewatched it on Sunday uh, this past week. And Alabama literally, the, the uh, A&M is really hot and bothered about a freshman, Chase Besantis that's probably going to be really good down the road. He's a freshman from New Jersey. Alabama literally treated him like a freshman. Yeah. I mean, they they took him and rode him straight to the quarterback seven or eight times at least. And whether they got to the quarterback through that factor or not, the rest of the A&M offensive line is not great in pass protection either. Uh, I just don't know that Tennessee has those kind of guys on the defensive front. So, uh, anyways, uh, I'll, I'll take A&M. Which way are you going? I wouldn't bet on this for a million dollars. There you go. <laughs> Oregon, Washington. Let's talk Oregon-Washington. Of all the games, this one seems to me to be the one that could be the shootout, right? Um, two really good quarterbacks. I really like uh, Washington's offense. I know Oregon probably has more talent on defense. Uh, but, boy, this or, this Washington offense has been just about unstoppable.
1: Yeah, Oregon has dominated this series, particularly of late. Seven of the last eight uh, are Oregon wins. And that's just pure talent. It's just, they're just faster, bigger. Yeah, they they recruit more nationally than Washington does. Washington has more of our, our the OKGs, our kind of guys, that Kalen DeBoer goes and finds in the Pacific Northwest and, and some other places from his Boise connections back in the day. Uh, that said... Washington's offense is is a wonder to watch when it's all when they're all on the same page. <clears throat> I think Dan Landing and Oregon, I think they're gonna play very similarly to how Texas played them in the Alamo Bowl. I think they're gonna concede some yardage underneath and they're gonna concede completions, and they're gonna say, We're not blitzing you, because that's you want us to blitz you. <laughs> We're not gonna do it. And we want you to drive up and down the field and prove you can do it. The problem with that is they're at home and Husky stadium. People have a notion of pack football as laid back and not very intense. Husky stadium can get real, right? And it's the acoustics of how it's built. It's a, it's an interesting layout. It's also a beautiful setting, but they're going to be fired up for this game. They're going to get after it. And I think that's going to help Washington. Uh, I think Michael Penix has all of his receivers for this game. I think they're going to have Roma Dunze fully healthy. I think they have Jalen McMillan. Uh, I think they're good to go. I don't know also that Oregon has played anyone. Who
0: who have they played? I don't know. I mean, Washington's not played a murderer's row. They only beat Texas Tech on the road in OT, right? And And Texas Texas Tech,
1: by the way, was throwing the ball successfully on them for about two and a half quarters. Uh, That was a nip and tuck game that looked a little bit more like there was more spread because they had – Tyler Shep threw a pick six as he's going for the game-winning drive, right? Right. So they didn't do great on their last road test. And, you know, I think that will change. I think Oregon's going to come in loaded for bear. They understand the importance of this game. I think the interesting matchup is on the other side. It's Oregon's offense against Washington's defense. You know, Washington's defense isn't soft. They're not like USC. They're physical, but they're slow. They don't they don't run real well. And that's usually not a great thing going against Oregon but if Oregon thinks they're gonna sort of push them around or something, I don't think that's what's gonna happen. I think Bo Nix is gonna to have to run the ball, he's gonna to have to throw the ball. I think they're gonna to have to have a bunch of creative, interesting stuff. Uh, but if they can't score in the 30s, I don't see a path for victory. I maybe I'm completely
0: misreading this game. Yeah. I I'm I'm going Washington. So that's, that's I think I like the Huskies it. too. Uh, yeah. and, and but that flies against
1: the face of your your prior analysis on AM t- Tennessee, right? Is Oregon I,
0: not the more talented roster overall? Washington has the more talented quarterback. Okay. In my opinion. And that ne- neither AM nor Tennessee, I think, has good quarterback. No. I, I think Oregon and Washington both have good quarterbacks. I think Michael Penix could could have a Heisman moment on Saturday. We'll see. We'll see. Uh like Florida, that. South Carolina is the other uh two 30 game that one's on the sec network i just want to mention this one uh i believe do you have the line on that one by the way uh Uh, hopefully an asteroid crashes into the stadium and i don't have to watch it well let me say this you look that up while i say this the reason i'm interested here is because i think billy napier is on treading on thin ice right now the Mm. the, uh, second year coach at florida he has not been well liked by the administration or the fans and i tell you what he ends this season five and seven. They would be willing potentially to eat his contract and blow it all up and start all over again. Um, maybe with so, someone like Kellen DeBoer, at, yeah, uh, it's Washington. South Carolina
1: minus two and a half. Uh, yeah. Florida is a notoriously bad road team of late, particularly under Napier. So I think that's influencing part of that line. Well,
0: here's the issue Spencer Rattler. I look. You can say, I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's improved over the last two years. He's starting to step in in and be a a more adult quarterback than he was, where he's kind of protected under Lincoln Riley's scheme. Uh, I just feel like if if Florida loses this one, the Wolves are out. I mean, I'm just telling you, they're going to be coming for him. And that's going to open up some recruitments. Uh, that uh, Texas is very involved in. All right, USC, Notre Dame, Miami, North Carolina. I don't want to spend too much on either game here, but they are kind of these cross-sectional games. USC, Notre Dame, uh, you know, USC 10 uh, in the country, Notre Dame 24 or 21, excuse me. Um, Do you see a way that either team wins this game or is it just going to be attrition? Like Notre Dame hasn't proven to be a winner. And USC can't put anybody away, so I, I feel like it's just going to be a game of attrition. I'm I'm looking at the
1: two weakest units facing each other to determine this game. Notre Dame's offense against yep. USC's defense. Everyone's focused on Caleb Williams and how will Notre Dame stop him? They're not really going to stop him. I think you, you're, they're trying to limit him. Uh, weather make play a factor in helping to do that. You know, in the old days, Bobby, we're old enough to remember. When Notre Dame, when they had a big opponent coming in from Florida or Miami, they'd grow that grass up to about, what, nine inches? You had to get through it with a machete. Uh, Of course, Notre Dame now has turf, and they've had turf for the past decade, so that's no longer an option. But we are looking at some precipitation, some weather, uh, a little cold. The cold's not going to affect USC. It's the weather, right? If if you have the choice, which passing game do you want to take a little shine off of, it's USC's, right? So Caleb Williams, I, I think he's going to run for 100 yards in this game. I'm I'm, I'm calling it now. We'll see. Uh, but the more interesting matchup to me is a really bad Notre Dame offense that can't put it together against a horrible, unphysical USC defense. They are not physical at all. They missed 17 tackles against Arizona, Bobby.
0: And Arizona should have won the game. So they look bad. It, Washington, I, excuse me, USC's defense looks really, really bad. Um they're just, I, just soft. Don't know how, I don't know how I don't know how Lincoln Riley keeps Alex Grinch around. I just don't. Lincoln what, Riley what do you have in that game. You going one way or the other. Uh I don't know.
1: I I want I, to go to name.
0: I'm I guess gonna go I go to,
1: to mix it up, have some
0: opposition. Yeah, okay. I just think that I mean USC's living on Like I said, I think they're treading uh lightly. Um well, Miami and goes to UNC, Mac Brown. USC, sorry to interrupt you. USC is going to get
1: back Zachariah Branch. Oh, the receiver, okay. And I don't know if you've seen him, Bobby. Hey, so, electric, yeah. I mean, Xavier Worthy Plus yep. would be the best description. So yep. that could help. Uh, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Miami goes to UNC. Miami and Mario Cristobal, my goodness. Uh. Snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, or snacking, snack, snapping defeat from the jaws of victory. Yes, uh, I said that backwards. They clearly uh, are just a team that, I mean, they've got to be looking inwards at their head coach and just going, why do we even do that? You know, the whole nation makes a point of it. Um, meanwhile, Matt Brown proving that, you know what, the guy can coach when he has a great quarterback. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, all he sure needs, well. Vince Young, Colt McCoy, Chris Sims, Major Applewhite, and you know Drake May and Sam Howell. You give him that, he's pretty good. No doubt
1: about that. Uh, I love Drake May. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of that guy. And Carolina's letting him run the show. So I watched some snippets of the, the game last week where they just decimated Syracuse. Drake made through for over 400 yards and ran for like another 70. It was just a one man gang. It was Vince young type stuff. Uh, a little better passing and a, and a little less running, but yeah. uh, just very impressive. They got back the guy who'd been the NCAA had been playing games with for the past few games. Uh, Tez Walker, that's going to help their receiver core. Uh, I don't think North Carolina's defense is very good. I don't think they've played any good offenses. So I think, I think this could become a secretly sneaky, entertaining shootout between Miami and, and North Carolina. Some of that's contingent on Miami's morale because that's that's disheartening as a player to watch your coaches lose the game. I mean, outright lose the game on the field with stupidity. Speaking of recruiting, Bobby, the word is Miami was hosting something like 100 recruits at that game and it was way too nip and tuck with Georgia Tech right so their lead running back had 99 yards and that's why yes Bobby is feeling the pain as he closes his eyes he handed the ball off so he could brag after the game we had a 100-yard rusher we had a blah 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 passer and then of course he fumbled and then Haynes King uh made a couple of amazing throws and, and the Yellow Jackets steal the win so I don't know how you recover from that, but Miami's either going to grow from this or they're going to lay down like dogs, like they did last year over the second half of the year, and they're going to end up
0: going seven and five or something. So, they've I'll, I'll say North Carolina. They've got a reasonably good quarterback. Uh, they uh, lit up AM, no doubt. But uh, all right, uh, I'm going to go with North Carolina in that one. Um, hey, before we get going here, uh, Paul, anything else you're really looking for this weekend? Texas is off week. You know, I, I think this is an opportunity
1: for Texas to get right on some stuff. Um, we've got some guys that need to get healed up. The team needs to, uh, frankly, come together and find some solutions with the coaches for the goal line maladies. Yep. We, we need to play harder, right, down on goal line. Sometimes goal line is just messing up the dude across from you. I mean, that's sorry to be a simpleton. But the other part of it is find a thing that we can do down there and then start building the counters off of it. If that needs to be Sabian Red, running the Red Cat, great. If that needs to be, hey, we're going to put in Cam Williams as the extra tackle. We're going to go off off balance, and we're going to run right at you. I don't care what it is, but Texas needs to figure something out, some sort of identity down there on those must-have-it downs, because that is not only integral to winning the games, but, Bobby, if you go to overtime – It's just a series of red zone possessions. Yes. That's that's what an overtime is. And if you advance to the second and third rounds of overtime, you know, after the second, you have to go for two, right? Yep. From the three, that's goal to go. And then after that, you just exchange two-point conversions until someone wins. So not only will red zone inefficiencies make us more likely to go to overtime with an inferior opponent, it makes us more likely to lose the overtime. It's not the old days of Texas high school football where they, what, it was penetrations. Do you remember that? Yes. And we'd all, in high school, we'd all giggle and laugh. Uh, But was it to the 20 or the 50? Penetrations. Okay. So I remember distinctly Austin Reagan advancing to the fourth round of the playoffs because they had six penetrations to their opponents, five. And, And if that was tied, it went to what? First downs. Do you remember that? Yep. So, look, we don't play in that system. We play in a system where the overtime is built on red zone efficacy. So, like, let's let's get going on that. Let's fix some of that. And then on defense, I think Pete Kwiatkowski needs to sit in the film room and have a little quiet reflection time on his game plan and, and some of the things that he did uh, and, and took away some of the aggression of that defensive line that had been so successful for Texas to date. So let's get back
0: to it. All right. all right. That's Paul Wildington of Inside Texas. Paul and I both write uh, for Inside Texas each and every day and week. Uh, You can join us there. Just type in InsideTexas.com. Join us, uh, if you will. All right. Uh, For Paul Wildington, I'm Bobby Burton. That's Oh, what? You have one something else. Go for it, Paul. You want to listen to me? Everyone gets a trophy
1: podcast. Uh, EGAT, as it's abbreviated. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's me and a series of co-hosts, mostly Randy Boone, uh, former Texas baseball great, who also knows... Knows him some football. And so uh, we try to have fun, but we also try to give you a little
0: analysis while we're doing it. It's good. It is a good podcast. That's everyone gets a trophy. I apologize for not putting that in there sooner, Paul. All right. uh, For Paul Wallington, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.